Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 12th day of September 2023. Happy Tuesday to you. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to the program. Regularly scheduled programming back with you now, finally, but almost, because I went to record and two troublemakers followed me in after their first day of soccer. Well, Bailey's first day of soccer. You let them talk yesterday and it becomes... A pro- I love it when they could start like hosting. They can do this, and I could, I could sleep in or go to bed early. But anyway, it's Quinn and Bailey. How are you doing, Quinn and Bailey? Good. I think you might heard us when we were talking about Rehoboth. Yeah, they were just just yesterday. And Quinn, say hello. Or Bailey, say hello. Hi. You're filing your nails, yeah. sort of haphazardly. I'm not sure that that's up to standards for the uh, salon. But all right. Well, you wanted to say hello. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. All right. Well, Bailey, sound a little less enthusiastic next time. All right. Now you'll get your bath when I'm done. Go out and go play for a a little bit. All right. Let's get on with the program. Close the door behind you, too, please. Let's get on with the programs. There's a lot of stuff going on. Don't forget about the curse program at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. It uh, supports the show. It's the only revenue this show gets. So I'm much appreciated for all of it. I'm not burdened down with having to lie to you about how I've got 40 gallons of this, that, and the other thing. And, oh, man, I love this stuff. And love the- uh, listen to these shows. And I'm like, you don't use that. I know these people. You don't use that crap. So somebody's like, Patriot Supply, the dehydrated food company. They're at my house one or two times a month. Like, why are you living in a post-apocalyptic world that nobody else is aware of? How do you burn through so much emergency food? Are you, or is that all you eat? So what you you've replaced regular meals with dehydrated food? Like what the hell are you doing? Just it's so much easier. Life is and better if you don't lie. If you're not full of crap. There's my advice. That's all the time. No, that's not all the time we have today. Like I gotta say we've got a lot to get to. I got a bunch of audio of the president of the United States. My God. How the hell did this guy, he, he's, it's a theme, it's the point of my column for Town Hall today. I have to give you this warning. Be careful what you wish for, Republicans. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. There will, there could well come a day. I don't know that it'll actually happen, but there could well come a day when Joe Biden is dumped by the democrats or joe biden drops out of the race joe biden will come up with they'll come up with some kind of reason see they can't admit yeah no he's he's senile you guys were right because we've spent they've spent what three years saying he's not senile what are you talking about why he's perfectly fine and normal and everybody's happy and healthy and so they can't come out and say oh my god turns out this guy is is not all there he's got some problems they can't do that so they have to find some other creative way to get him out of there. Some other kind of health scare, some other sort of... It, they can't have it be emergency. He can't resign because of the scandals surrounding his family and the fortune that they've made because that would go over about as well as a fart in a car. That would go over like... you know, It would 
it would be Gerald Ford running in 76 all over again. That I mean, he didn't lose by much, but he did lose to Jimmy Carter, for God's sakes. So you, you can't have that. That can't be. Plus, I think they, they realize... See, Democrats have, have really painted themselves into a corner because their vice presidential choice was made only, only because... Joe Biden had a history of racism. There's a presence of present of racism too, but a history of racism, long storied history of racism, and and he's trying to appeal to black voters. He's got a, this old white guy, this old white guy with a long history of racism and lying and not being involved in the civil rights movement, but lying about being involved in the civil rights movement. He had to find a way to appeal to black voters. Not black voters in the general election. Democrats have them locked up, pathetically. But black voters in South Carolina, black voters in the Democratic primary system. And the way he did that was say, I'm going to nominate a black woman to be my running mate. He didn't specify which black woman, just a black woman. If I'm one on the street, I'll stand outside of Target, pick a black woman at random coming out of there, and she'll be my running mate. It might as well have been that. That's as much thought it was given it at the time. Then when he wins the nomination, it's like, oh crap, now we've got to come through on this promise. You can't promise something like that, something that specific, and not deliver on it. So he picked Kamala Harris because pop quiz, name a second black woman in the Democratic Party. I know there are a bunch, but you know, Sheila Jackson, Lee, Maxine Waters, they ain't making the cut. Kamala Harris was it. It's the only reason to pick somebody from the state of California as your running mate if you're a Democrat is because she ticked enough boxes in the identity politics game. That's all she brought to the table. She had nothing else to bring to the table. So, all right, California wasn't in play. Like, this will really land California for us. Well, California was yours. It was because the senile dude who never left his basement said, I'm going to pick a black woman. Why? Because... Because he was going to, because that was it. Otherwise, he was largely unappealing to progressive identity politics loving leftists. Didn't matter, of every race. The white people hate white people. They condition everybody to hate white people. Like, I can't vote for another white guy. But they justified, I can vote for another white guy because it's a black woman that's going to be his running mate. We just picked the least popular person on the, in the face of the party over there to be a running mate. But Democrats know that they won because they could say, oh, historic, 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 amongst all the other things they could say. But long term, they lost because they can't get rid of Joe Biden now. They get rid of Joe Biden. The natural, the heir apparent is Kamala Harris. Nobody wants that. So what are they going to do? Are they going to dump the black woman for another straight white guy, the governor of California? Who else is there? Bernie Sanders? Another straight white millionaire? What do you do? they got to carry Joe across the finish line as best they can. But the problem is we, our side, have been so effective at pointing out how Joe's gone. Joe ain't here anymore. Joe is barely around. Joe is just this side of... of brain dead and literally if you you're checking for iq points he may well register as brain dead he has good moments and not so good moments he is lucid and then he's gone 
And the problem is he's getting gone more frequently. And sadly for Republicans, we don't want this. It's all well and good. And it's fun to sit there and say, hey, Joe Biden is senile. Hey, because he is. But it's another thing entirely when Democrats go, oh, my God, we've got to dump this guy. Because if Joe has to go for because he's gone, because he's not there, then the Democrats can go with Gavin Newsom. If they just ditch Joe because he can't win, because he's so unpopular, because he's corrupt, whatever, and they just pick another white guy, it's problematic. But if their white guy, their current white guy, simply can't do it, doesn't physically have the ability to do it for medical purposes, no matter how much they lied about it in the past, well, then that's different. That's completely different. Then it can be wide open. Then they can find some way to justify going with the rich white guy. Oh, we threw it open to voters and that's what they want. Because let's face it, in a primary where a contested primary, Kamala Harris didn't even make it to December. She dropped out at the beginning of December. The first votes were the beginning of January. She didn't even make it to the first votes, the first set of votes. That's how horrible of a candidate she was. In an open primary, she's not going to be any better. So you're going to have Gavin Newsom probably win. And Gavin Newsom, you can sit there and recoil at it. And trust me, I recoil at the concept of Gavin Newsom too. He's a horrible person. He's a horrible governor. He's done nothing but help. I mean, California was pretty crap before, but he's done nothing but make California worse. And he really plants his flag on every left-wing cause you can possibly imagine, like mutilating the genitals of children is a hill he professes to want to die on. It's weird how these poly- his, his kids are not trans, but whatever. He's formidable, not because of where he stands on policy, but because of how he can lie, because of how full of crap he can be and not be bothered by being that full of crap. The lies, being a skilled liar is something that will serve everybody well in politics and in media. But being an artful liar will serve you better. And Gavin Newsom is an artful liar. He will tell you that it's, you know, he's wonderful. He's your friend while he picks your pocket. He will screw you up. He screwed his best friend's wife, his chief of staff's wife, when he was mayor of San Francisco, for God's sakes. That's who he is. That's how he is. But it's slick, man. It is slick. And in this, you can't judge me and nobody can judge anybody and love is love kind of crap society that we've built ourselves, uh, that kind of stuff flies anymore. Bill Clinton started down that path. It's just, it's just sex. It's a private matter. It's nobody's business. Well, you're diddling an intern. That's on, on government property, on government time. And then giving her jobs based on her proximity to come over and service you whenever you wanted it and to keep her mouth shut and those sorts of favors all while you guys are lecturing everybody about power discrepancies in relationships and how inappropriate the, the hypocrisy was through the roof and the american people looked at it and the democrats played with it and they ended up saving bill clinton and bill clinton left office fairly popular an absolute scumbag his marriage intact i mean it was a sham marriage but still intact if if hillary thought it was politically advantageous. Remember, she she won the Senate seat in New York in 2000 when he was leaving office. She didn't need him anymore after that. 
if she would have thought it was politically more advantageous for her to ditch Bill, she would have done it. But people looked at what Bill Clinton did and said, we love that guy. Gotta love that guy. Just a gross testament to where we've fallen as a society. Now we're even well past that. It's almost going to be a prerequisite that you've had multiple affairs and several children out of wedlock, if you're, or at least paid for the abortions if you're ever going to be president of the United States probably in about 20 years. That's how sad things have gotten. So be careful what you wish for, my fellow conservatives, because if they have to drop Joe Biden, they can. And then you're going to end up in a situation where you're running against somebody you don't really want to run against. You're running against somebody that's going to be really tough to beat compared to senile Joe. So that's my advice. That's where I'm coming from on this. That being said, Democrats are picking up on the fact that Joe is senile that Joe is losing it, and that more and more people are beginning to recognize that Joe is not all there. It was, it's a bad time for Democrats when there's a piece at Mediaite. This thing, let me reload this page just to give you the full total of the comments. 8,532 comments, which is nothing to sniff at, at Mediaite. And the headline, Biden announces, I'm going to bed before being cut off mid-sentence after several weird outbursts at troubling Vietnam presser. That is dangerous dangerous for Republicans. This guy's having more and more frequent... It's dangerous for the country, too, but at least there's some kind of structure in place to make sure he doesn't go off half-cocked, wake up in the middle of the night and start screaming about whatever right? Try and launch missiles at uh, the Soviet Union. Stalin's coming, whatever it is that he has flashbacks about. We don't want that, obviously. But now that liberal websites are starting to notice that Joe's not doing so good, Joe's not doing super good, the pressure, the prospect, the possibility of Joe actually being replaced, actually being removed from the ticket, voluntarily, whatever Jill steps to him, whatever it is, becomes more real. I want you to listen to this. This is just a snippet from Joe Biden's press conference in Vietnam. I'm not sure he knows what the hell is going on here. I'm not sure he's fully aware of where he is. For the, he's like finds out he's in Vietnam. He's like, wait, I have I have asthma that nobody's ever seen me have before. My asthma, yeah, the asthma that got him five deferments, the mysterious asthma that nobody's ever seen or known that he had, got him five deferments. Joe Biden finally made it to Vietnam, and he probably shouldn't have been there. And uh, let's see, I'll just follow my orders here. Uh, staff, if anybody hasn't spoken, uh, I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said they have five questions. I need it. Be away. He's looking around for his list of pre screened questions. The people who have been approved by the 
White House communication, the people who submitted their questions in advance. He can't find it. He's completely lost. He has no idea. Anybody out there who hasn't spoken to his staff, he's talking out loud to himself, essentially, and to his staff. And everybody chimes in and says, hey, we haven't been calling you. I'm not calling on you. I'm doing what I'm told. How the hell does this happen? How the hell does this not embarrass you as an American? I assume it embarrasses you. It embarrasses me. But his staff, where in the hell is his staff? It was a tour de force if it were Robert De Niro in a movie or Jack Nicholson in a movie playing somebody who's losing their mind. And as it slips away, they're trying to get their affairs in order before their last, whatever. You know, it writes its own, James L. Brooks can write the script. Instead, it's the President of the United States. Now, I want to play you another clip that's just as confusing, just as bizarre, just as whatever. I, I don't know how to describe this. My, my brother loves having famous lines from movies that he always quotes. You know, and one, one of them is there was, there was a movie about John Wayne, he's an Indian scout, and they're trying to get, the, I think it's Apache, one of the great tribes of America, back on the reservation. And he's standing with the Union, so he's in raw arms, and they're on their horses and their saddles, and there's three or four Indians in headdresses and the Union soldiers. The Union soldiers basically saying, the Indians, come with me, we'll take care of the movie, everything will be good. And the Indian scout, the Indian looks at John Wayne and points to the Union soldier and says, he's a lion dog-faced pony soldier. Well, there's a lot of lion dog-faced pony soldiers out there about, about global warming. But not anymore. All of a sudden, I realize it's a problem. And there's nothing like seeing the light. What in the hell is he talking about? There's a lot of lion dog-faced pony soldiers out there. Famous lines from a movie. That's not a famous line from a movie. Nobody knows what the hell you're talking about when you spew that. I don't even know if it's actually from a movie. It sounds too stupid to have been written by an adult human being, but maybe it is. Times were different in the 50s. But this is the President of the United States at a press conference in Vietnam where he's trying to woo Vietnam away from communist China, trying to keep them from falling under the spell of communist China. And while he's there, he's saying, we don't want to stop China from doing this, and China's good, and we want China to prosper. And like, where the hell are you coming from? You don't want the United States to prosper. It sure as hell doesn't seem like. But China you're cool with. That's weird. If you're so concerned about climate change... Oh, the climate change. If you're so concerned about that crap, then maybe you should look to the world's largest polluters over there. Oh, no, no, they, they get exempted from all this crap. Why? Because you don't want China to hurt. Now, implicit in that, I want China to thrive, so we're going to exempt them from these climate regulations. If you just think of those words themselves, what is implicit in there? That the restrictions that this piece of crap and his fellow travelers in the Democratic Party, the enemies of the United States of America, are implementing that they are exempting China from because they want China to thrive because China is a third world country and they want to blah, 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 blah. Implicit in that is that the things that they're doing to this country, 
are damaging to the economy, hurt people, hurt the country. We're exempting China because we want them to thrive. We want them to catch up. We don't want to hurt their economy as they're at this crucial stage of development. Okay, so we're past that crucial stage of development as an economy. That doesn't really mean that you can cripple our economy. I mean, that's what they're doing. It's like saying, you know what, you've You've, quali- you've made it through the qualifying rounds of the Olympics. Now we're going to put some rocks and tacks in your shoe. Why? Well, because every- it's not everybody can run as fast as you. We want to slow you down. We need, we need to slow you down. Other- well, what about everybody else? No, not them. Not them. But don't worry. You'll, probably- you'll be far enough ahead. You're good. You can play through the pain. That's sort of what Bidenomics is playing through the pain. The economy is doing okay in spite of Democrats' best efforts to make it not okay. Period. End of story. So, so screwed up. So pathetic. But he's just such a weirdo. Lion, dog face, pony sword. Now, here he is. This is a guy that is selling the United States on war and supporting the war in Ukraine. Because it's so crucial to keep the Soviet, keep Russia in check, keep Russia in check, keep Putin in check, look out, keep them in check, nuclear power, they're over there saber rattling about nuclear war, nuclear, nuclear war is a real possibility, or at least tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield, nobody really knows what Putin is capable of, should he really face the music over there, so there's a real concern. Plus, there's the whole NATO thing where you could attack a NATO country and then we'd have to go to war and we'd be at war with a nuclear power. You'd think that would be qualifying as an existential threat. Not in Biden world. Climate change is the only thing that really qualifies as a threat to our existence. And guess what? In addition to helping the environment overall, and the only existential threat humanity faces even more frightening than a, than a nuclear war, is global warming going above 1.5 degrees in the next 20, 10 years. And we're in real trouble. There's no way back. That's it. That's it. The only, it wasn't like the, the biggest, the most realistic, the foremost. No, it was the only existential threat, even more so the nuclear war. I would posit that the weather is not as big a threat as nuclear war, especially if you look at the fact that every time temperatures have gone up throughout human recorded human history, which admittedly ain't all that much time, but still, when the medieval warm period occurred and temperatures went up, human beings thrived. Yes, believe it or not, longer growing seasons. Yeah, oh my God, it's hot. It's, it's hot, it's hot. You can survive hot. You can survive hot. People survived hot before air conditioning existed. And now we have air conditioning. So we can easily survive hot. People survived hot when they wore freaking wigs and layers of wool. (laughs) It took, I'm going to go get undressed. I'll be ready for bed in about uh, 38 hours as I take off layer upon layer upon layer of my clothing. Nobody was walking around with a t-shirt and shorts back then. It was hot as hell just like it is now. But the growing seasons were long. They might have taken off their a couple of their collars or something like that. 
But the growing seasons were longer, which meant more food. More food. I don't know if you know this or not, but certain viruses don't survive all that well in heat. That's why the flu and the cold tend to do more and inflict, infect more people in the winter months because you're inside. You're clustered around together. Whereas the heat and being outside is not really super good for transmission. The longer people are outside, the lower the risk of transmission. There's still a risk, but a lower risk of transmission. There's all sorts of things that can benefit humanity. In addition to all the technological advances that we've had. Yeah, there are a lot of things like malaria. I mean, Democrats, thanks to their incompetence, is making a comeback. But we have done away with it for the most part here in the United States. We could do it again if Democrats had the stones to do it, but they don't. They'll never spray DDT ever again because silent spring and the myth and the lies that are there. And they'd rather people die anyway, obviously. But there are all sorts of things that are good and positive with warmer weather. Colder weather, you're kind of screwed. More people die from cold than from heat. Every year. Every year. It's just the truth. Look it up. But of course, Democrats don't give a damn about that. They've hitched their, they hitched their wagon in the 70s on global cooling. When that didn't pan out, it was global warming. Now it's climate change. And they're saying warming, warming, warming. Hottest August ever on record. Hottest August ever. Can you prove that? No, not really. But it doesn't matter. Democrats don't have to prove things. They just have to declare them and insist. And the rest of society that matters insofar as the brainwashing of the American public goes right along with it. But this is the president of the United States. Oh, the biggest, the only existential threat we face is climate change. Really? This idiot is going to let Bill Gates or some other moron seed the upper atmosphere with reflective particles to deflect the sun's light. We won't be able to undo it. You want to talk about serious damage. That's the serious damage these people are working towards. That's how important 2024 is is it's really against these narcissistic piles of garbage who are willing look joe biden is he's got a foot and three toes in the grave he's not going to be around that much longer whatever damage his policies do economically or environmentally he's not going to be around to face the repercussions of it well what about his grandkids do you really think he cares do you really is there anything about the way joe biden raised his children that makes you think he's going to really give a damn about his children's children, right? He's made them a bunch of money anyway, so to the extent that anybody can be exempt from the damage he's caused, they're going to be exempt from it. He doesn't care. And part of him, when he's lucid, probably still believes in this crap. So it's just going to be a, a dangerous time. And he really... You know, you want him replaced, but you don't want him replaced. You want him replaced because maybe somebody else has stopped doing the damage he's doing. But you don't want him replaced because he's the most beatable Democrat there is. He could do a lot of things with his executive orders and whoever's whispering sweet nothings in his ear. He can damage this country greatly. But him dropping out means somebody who's more electable 
would take his place. And by somebody who's more electable, I mean literally every other Democrat, except for maybe Kamala Harris. And I doubt they'll nominate her. I want to play you a clip just to show you how pathetic Chuck Todd is. He's been fired from Meet the Press. He's on his way out the door. But listen to how Chuck Todd, he's talking with Gavin Newsom about the COVID response and the horrible job that California did and the fact that California was allowed the movie industry to stay open somehow, miraculously, and titty bars and things like that, but not churches, not schools. The damage that the state inflicted was chosen. The targets were chosen. They were a matter of policy. And I want you to listen to listen to you can listen to a little bit of of Gavin Newsom's BS excuse, but this is more an instructive video or audio of the apologetic way in which Chuck Todd asks an absolutely not only legitimate but important question of a liberal. This is an important question. All liberal governors who went over the top should be asked these sorts of questions, but Chuck Todd approaches it in a beat dog kind of way. And everybody's seen an abused dog who like, you know, very like, don't hit me again. You're going to hit me again. It's okay. Please don't hit me again. Kind of way that Chuck Todd goes at Gavin Newsom. It's like a friend interviewing a friend and the gotta bring up the 800 pound gorilla in the room. You've got to ask some serious questions. It can't just be all laughing about the good old times. You have to ask some serious questions. So you go about it in sort of a, oh, shucks, I'm sorry, I got to bring this up, but I got to bring this up kind of way. That's that's how the media works with Democrats. This is the closest they come to asking serious questions of Democrats, and this is the this is how they do it. During COVID, um, you, you were pretty strict with the lockdowns here. And uh, there was an interesting piece in Harper's that sort of was critical of your decisions from this perspective. You found a way to allow the motion picture industry and and the the sort of the movie industry to get back to work. But you didn't allow people to grieve together at funerals or at churches. And that it sort of, and that this may be why there's such a polarized disconnect. What... What you prioritize, right, this is this anger between the populace and the elite, supposedly. Here, you prioritize this industry, but, you you know, you were tougher on those that just wanted to go worship. Um, a, what do you say to that, Chris? I think there's a lot of humility, and we didn't know what we didn't know, and it was hardly I. Uh, it was we, collectively. I and I think all of us, in, in terms of our collective wisdom, we've evolved. We didn't know what we didn't know. We're experts in hindsight. We're all geniuses. But now. think about what we pri- what, you pri- what you ended up collectively prioritizing. You're prioritizing industry, you know, well, in one, and, and one specific one, but then didn't prioritize maybe ones that whose maybe values you didn't connect with. Well, I don't think it's a binary. There was iterations. Yeah, binary. There was iterations. No, maybe maybe you didn't maybe prioritize one industry and then you didn't prioritize another one who's values you didn't necessarily share. You just say Christians, religious people, people who don't want to sit around and listen to this crap. Huh. People who, no, 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 look, look, look. We didn't know what we didn't know. Oh, okay. So, wait a second. Are you saying, Governor, that people in the movie industry are expendable? They're a dime a dozen. Screw them. You know what? If these actors die, they die. So what? 
There are states will pay their taxes. Is that what you're saying? It's not what he's saying. These are his friends. These are his donors. It was, I saw an opportunity to screw over my political opponents, my political enemies. I hate them. And to curry favor with the people who uh, I like and the people who support me and give me money. So, yeah, I told Churchy to go to hell, and I told uh, the Harvey Weinsteins, who have yet to be caught, that they can go back to work. And that was just how it was. But we didn't know what we didn't know. Well, if you didn't know what you didn't know, then why'd you prioritize one industry over another? Why? The people who wanted to worship wanted to go to church and pray to God for healing, for help, for safety, for their eternal souls should they die. They probably looked at the risks, even though they were inflated at the time, but nobody knew, and said, you know what, I'd rather go out in church than not being able to go to church. And I have a constitutional protected right to do that. And you said, no, you don't. Shut up. But the film crew can go back to work because you guys are right on the trans issue or whatever. He's slick. He's very slick. I mean, Chuck Todd is like, geez, uh, you know, some people are saying, and the critics are saying, and there's a piece in Harper's, who quote, who cites Harper's Bazaar? But there's a piece in Harper's Bazaar that's pretty, uh, it's not super critical. But they said some stuff like this, and, you know, how do you respond to something like that? Why don't you just ask him straight up, Chuck? Hey, why did you allow the film industry to go back to work? but barred religious people from going to houses of worship. What's your justification for that? Not what's your response to critics who point it out. What's your justification for that constitutionally? What gave you the authority to place people under house arrest when it came to their First Amendment freedom of religion exercising, but you gave everybody a hall pass if they were a dolly grip on a movie set. What's the rationale for that? Not what's your response to people who point it out. But then journalism is dead. And Chuck Todd, the ginger avenger, is the perfect embodiment of how journalism is dead, is he not? God help us all. Anyway, that's enough for today. I've got to go bathe a couple of kids from their soccer practice. Have yourself an awesome Tuesday. Be back to do it all again because the stupid never stops. I'll see you tomorrow.